0: doing today? You doing good? If you're not, that's okay, because not every day uh, the the mood is chipper for everyone, and it's okay in church to be real with people and say, you know what? I'm having a hard day, okay? So just, whether you're good or not, I'm just glad you're here. Uh, And whether you're here in person or you're here online, thanks for joining us today. So for 2,000 years, the church has carried on this declaration that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the one who is actually over everything, that kingdoms rise and fall. People may think that they are the most powerful thing in the universe, but the church continues to declare that it's actually Jesus who is over everything. And that is the, the title of this series that we've been in as a church, Jesus Over Everything. Our world is chaotic, chaotic, It's out of order and the church needs to continue to declare this truth that despite the chaos, despite the disorder, Jesus is over everything. And it's a good reminder heading into an election to also remind everyone that Jesus is still over everything. And after the election, Jesus will still be over everything. And so, We've been looking at themes in the book of Colossians, and so that's kind of what has based each, each week on. Week one, we looked at the theme of how Jesus is supreme, and so the, the verse that we looked at for that came out of chapter 1, verse 18, and it says that, and he, being Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. Who's the church? We are. We are. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. Good response. Good response. I know everyone at home, you did the same thing. So thank you for that. So he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything, not just just a certain religion, not just over the spiritual part of your life, but that in everything, Jesus would be preeminent or supreme. Jesus is supreme over everything. And so Jesus being supreme over everything, what does that mean for us? What are we to do about that? Well, the things that we've been looking at is that the church should live under the supreme lordship of Jesus and the church worships Jesus as the supreme lord. So it affects the way that we live the entirety of our lives, not just a component of our lives, but the entirety of our lives. And we worship Jesus as supreme lord. So that was week one the key text for week two, which was last week. So if you weren't here, that's fine. You're just getting the cliff notes, okay? And how many of you like cliff notes? Okay, you like, like, just give me the bottom line. Okay, so you're getting the bottom line here. So week two, which was last week, the key text was Colossians 2, verses six and seven, that says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. And we're gonna look at that phrase again today, walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. So last week we looked at how Jesus is sufficient for everything that we need. Jesus is sufficient. Everything you and I need comes from and is found in Jesus. Not only is he supreme, he is sufficient. And Jesus isn't just a supplement. He is supreme. He's not, it's not Jesus and it's, it's Jesus only, Jesus only. And so depending on how you view the word sufficient, you may hear that differently. So if you're a high achiever and you know you get a report back that you did at school and your teacher says, hey, your work is sufficient. Okay? As a high achiever, that probably doesn't land well with you uh, to be told, yeah, your work's sufficient because you probably hear that as it, it's okay. Like, it's just enough. Like, it's, it's enough to to pass the, the class or whatever. And so, depending, or also if you have a lack mentality, and for you, when you hear sufficient, you think, okay, that's just enough. Like, it's just enough for whatever I need. So, if those are your mentalities, then when you hear Jesus is sufficient, then you may approach that with that lens and think, you know, Jesus is sufficient just enough. Like he's just enough for what we need. Jesus isn't just enough. He's more than enough. There, there is, there is no extent to which he will run out. He is always more than enough. And so whenever you run into passages like in second Corinthians 12, where it says that his grace is sufficient for you, you may hear that and interpret it as his grace is just enough for me. Like whatever he's calling me to do, however he's calling me to live, his grace is is gonna be just enough. Um, But that's not how it is. His grace is far above and far beyond anything that you need, okay? He is more than enough. So in your weaknesses, in your hardships, in your persecution, in your calamity, anything that you encounter, when you're weak, he will be strong. And his power is actually made perfect in your weakness. So Jesus is sufficient, not just enough, more than enough for anything that you need. Everything we need comes from or is found in King Jesus. So this week, what we're going to be looking at is this theme of prayer that's found in Colossians. It's a key theme in the book. And the title for this week's message is The Work of Prayer. The work of prayer. That may sound like an odd statement to put prayer and, and work together. And what I hope to convey is is this, that prayer is the most important thing that you and I do. It is the primary work. That before we act on anything, we pray. Before we speak on anything, we pray. Before we... Is everyone listening to this next one? Okay before you post anything, for the love of Jesus, (laughs) pray. Before you vote, pray. Voting is not the most important thing you and I can do. Let's just feel that tension for a little bit. The most important thing you and I can do is pray. It is the primary work. So that... When you go to vote, when you go to post, when you go to speak, when you go to act, all of that is coming from a place of your relationship with Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And that is why pri- prayer is the primary work. It is the work. So we're going to be looking at the work of prayer today. And we're going to be diving into this prayer that Paul opens the book with. He opens Colossians with giving thanks, and then he goes into this prayer for the church um, In Colossae. So we're going to be in verse 9, and I'm going to read through this, but this is going to be what we keep coming back to and and highlight different things throughout today's message. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption in the forgiveness of sins. Amen. 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 So what Paul is telling them and what he's instructing them in is he's, he's telling them to learn from his habits so that, in, so that whenever they encounter the difficulties and the challenges found in life, okay, I don't know if you know that, but in life we encounter challenges and difficulties, uh, but so that when they encounter these, they can overcome and they can persevere and have impact in the kingdom of God. And so what this, this weathered apostle, and Paul is a, a weathered person. He's been through a lot. If you think 2020 has been hard on you, you should read the things that Paul went through in his life. So this, this weathered apostle is revealing something about the Christian life in hopes that he can help them make it through the long haul and following lord jesus. And so what he's revealing about the Christian life is this that the Christian life begins with and is sustained by prayer. The Christian life begins with and is sustained by prayer. And what I mean by that isn't it's not just that your life in Christ if you look at it on a chronological timeline It's not just that our life in Christ begins with prayer, although that's true. You know, you you call upon the name of the Lord and you're born again and you're made this new creation. But although that's true, what I mean behind this statement is not just that one moment, but that every aspect of our life today, tomorrow, all of it begins with and is sustained by prayer. That everything that encompasses our life so our behaviors, our habits, our vocation, our parenting, all of it, that all of it begins with and comes from a place of our relationship with Jesus. And that relationship with Jesus is nurtured through communication, through prayer. Amen. Because relationships, communication is key to relationships, Okay. I, I had the chance this past weekend to be in our Basel campus for a marriage conference that Pastor Micah and Callie put on there, and it was an amazing time. Almost every session, at some point, hit on communication. Why? Because communication is key to having a healthy relationship. And so if, if we are to expect who we are in Christ to find its way out into every aspect of our life, all of that comes from who we are in Jesus and our relationship with Jesus is nurtured through prayer, through communicating with him. And so Paul, that, that's Paul's emphasis here is the importance of prayer as you go through life. And he's, he's not just going to teach on it, but he's going to model it. And that, that's what he's doing here is he's modeling what a healthy prayer life looks like. So that's what we're gonna, dig into, and we're going to start to break it down. So Colossians 1, verse 9. He uh, says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. We have not ceased to pray for you. So this is the first thing that we're going we're gonna to look at and we're going to learn from. We have not ceased to pray for you. Okay, so I know what some of you may be thinking. Some of you may be thinking Um, in the voice in your head, which sounds different for different people, but the voice that I imagine it sounding like is something like, uh, now, pastor, are you telling me that I'm to be praying without ceasing all the time? Because now, pastor, not everybody gets paid to pray like you do, okay? I got stuff I gotta do, mouths I gotta feed. So something like that. And to that I would say, my beloved sister Karen. I very much appreciate your concern. You know, I'm, I feel bad for all of the people who are named Karen, because uh, you're just, you're probably catching too much flack in the world right now. And you know, you come to church expecting some refuge from that, and you know, so so after, after that, I will do my best to avoid Karen jokes, so that you can be welcomed and received and, and not catch flight. So anyway, and maybe you're watching online, please don't send me hate mail. If you do, send it to Pastor Terry. So uh, no, So that's not what I'm saying, and that's not what the Apostle Paul's saying. For the Apostle Paul, whenever he's not preaching or in prison, which is most of the time he's doing one of those two things, so when he's not either preaching or in prison, he's making tents, like, you know, tents, on the side. And uh, he's doing this to try to fund the work of his ministry. And so he's not his, his, uh, his life in prayer, his work of prayer, is not like in a monastery somewhere, totally removed from society. For Paul, prayer comes in the flow of life, not removed from it. So for him, it comes in the flow of life, in the ordinary rhythms of life, is where he learns and activates prayer. Not totally removed from it. For him, prayer is a habit and a reflex. So how about for you? Would you say that that prayer is a habit and a reflex for you? Much like if you have, if you have you know, 10 seconds of solitude, for, for me sometimes, I have this habit of reaching for my phone. Um, so much like we have these different default habits when something happens, where does prayer fall for you in that? Is it a habit? Is, is it a reflex? And that's one of the things that, that Paul is trying to show here. And News. Flat. This may be news for some of you. For others, it's it's not. But I am, uh, I am not perfect. I have not fully arrived, and I have plenty of room to grow. Okay, I know. I know you're, you're really surprised by it. You're shocked. Even uh, it's okay. Again, Pastor Terry will help counsel you through this announcement. But this is this is one of the areas of growth for me. When it is the working prayer into the flow of life. Because for me, the the designated time of prayer and the prayer when it's really obvious I need to pray, those those I've got on lock, okay? For others, like the, the dedicated and the disciplined time of prayer, that may be a challenge for you because your personality is anything that is structure is a box. And I don't like being boxed in, okay? So that that may be a challenge for some, for me, that, that part comes easier. Uh, the thing that's challenging for me is working prayer into the flow of life, that I'm, I'm const- that it is my habit, it is my reflex, even when things don't seem to be super important. But before I speak, before I act, any of that, I pray. And I, I thought I was decent at this until I got married to my wife. And I realized, man, there is a lot of growth for me in this because she's taught me a lot in in how to work prayer into the flow of life. And you know, I, and also in conversation with with people who, you know, operate a business or or they work as mechanics or different things like this. I'll talk to them and they'll say, "Yeah, you know, yesterday I was I was doing a I had a call, a repair call, so I show up. And I, I get into it and I realize I have no clue why this air conditioner is not working like it should. And so I pray and I say, God, you're gonna have to help me here because I don't know what to do. And like, you know, God can give you a word of knowledge over things like that too. And so like for this, this guy, he said, you know, as soon as I prayed that, I, the, the Lord spoke to me, I went in, checked it out and that was the issue. And so depending on your view of God, that may seem like too petty of a thing for God to be concerned about. Uh, doesn't he have more significant worries or, or cares in the world than, than helping me fix this or do my job or know the right words to say to my child or my, someone I'm in a relationship with? Um, so depending on your view of God, you may not think that he cares about those things. But... He does. And if you, as a good friend, say you, you watched a friend trying to figure something out and you knew the answer to it, would you help them? Yes. Yeah. So if you, I mean, I'm not, you're great. Don't get me wrong, okay? I know you're awesome, uh, but God's, his goodness is greater than yours. So why wouldn't God do the same? Why, why wouldn't God do the same? And, you know, it depends. I, I taught school for a couple years. And if a, a student was struggling to, to try to find the solution for a problem, because I, I taught math, if they were struggling to find a solution for a problem, it wouldn't always be helpful for me to just give them the answer. Okay? For them, they would say, that's helpful, you know, and please just give me the answer. But I, I would know that they would, just getting the answer is not what I'm after. Wow. That they need to learn how to do this. Um, so that, you know, whenever they grow up, they can do basic math. because Or calculus. Because we all need calculus to go about our everyday. <laughs> if you're a math teacher, I'd love you. Bless you. So, sometimes... Sometimes God does just give us that word of knowledge or just does give us that answer and sometimes he gives us a step because just giving us the answer is not the most helpful thing for us. We have to learn something in this and so he gives us a step and so instead of whining about not getting the final answer, we just take the step because he's going to give you the next one. And so, sorry for, for getting off on all of that, but um, so the good news is, if for you, prayer is not a habit or a reflex, you're not alone, okay? And when we encounter these moments in our life or these, these parts of our life that we, uh, we're not hitting the mark, that should be, that's an invitation for growth and development. Invitation for growth and development. Prayer is for everyone. It's not just for the spiritually elite. It's just it's not for just those who are really articulate with their words. Thank God, because I'm not. But it's it's not for the most charismatic personalities. It's for everyone. And it's how everyone gets connected to God's will, God's word, and God's work. And those are the things that we're gonna be looking at today. It's how prayer connects us to God's will, God's word, and his work. So the first thing we're going to look at is God's will. God's will. So the rest of verse 9, Paul says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So Paul begins his prayer by expressing his desire for these people to know the will of God, to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Did you know that God has a will for you? God has desires for you. Regardless of the circumstances of your conception, whether it was planned or not, God saw you coming from a long way off. He had enough time to craft a will and a plan for your life. And that plan is good. It's not of evil. It's good. In him you have meaning and you have purpose. You have future and hope. God has desires for you. He has a plan for your life. And Paul here is praying that they be filled with that knowledge, not only for God's will and his plan for them individually, but he's praying that they'd be filled with the knowledge of God's will on the grand scheme of things. Because right. you and I, although God has a plan for us individually, we're also part of a bigger plan. We're part of a bigger picture. And we have to see that. We have to see that the purpose of our life is beyond just us. Amen. Because if the vision for your life is only, if the, what you can see about the purpose and the vision that you have for your life doesn't reach any further than you, you need to dream bigger. If the impact and influence you want to have through your life ends when you go into the ground, then you need to dream bigger. And so Paul is praying that they be filled with the knowledge of God's will, again, including God's will for them individually, but also the knowledge of God's will for what God is doing on the big picture, the grand scheme of things, and what he's wanting to do throughout the world in this big story and their part to play in it. Because we have a, we have a part to play in this grand story that's happening. Yeah, that's and he's praying that they know God's will and God's desires because it's the, the church is the vehicle through which God enacts his will. True. God has a perspective, he has opinions on how things are to go in this world. And the vehicle through which he brings about his will into the world is his church. You and I are the hands and feet of Jesus. We, the church is his body. He's not going around as a headless body. He works through his body. And so Paul is praying that this, this group of people who have now entered into the body of Christ know God's will because it's going to be through them that God's will comes into the earth. And so you and I, we have to know what God's will is for us individually and for what God's wanting to do on a bigger picture. Because it's through us that God's will, the church, not just you individually, but the church, it's through us that God enacts and brings his will and how things ought to be because God wants certain things to, to come into our world and our society. I don't know if you know that, but not, not everything that's going on right now is the way that God wants it to be going on. He has a perspective and opinion on how things ought to go. And that's why, through prayer, we have to connect to what His will is. Because without prayer, you and I are tempted to get distracted, to get off course, and pay more attention to what our will is and what we want than what God wants. So through prayer, we are connected to God's heart, his desires, and his will. The second thing we're gonna look at is prayer connects us to God's word. So we're gonna continue building on this prayer that we read earlier. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So Paul uses that, that same phrase that we read earlier and that we looked at last week, walk in, okay, walk in. So it, it's, not, it's not talking about the way that you physically walk. It's talking about the way that you live, how you walk through life. Live in a way that's worthy of the Lord, I don't know about you, but that seems like an incredibly daunting task to live in such a way that it's worthy of the Lord. I'm having a hard enough time feeling worthy in different areas of my life, let alone feeling worthy about the entirety of my life being uh, enough and worthy for Jesus. Are Are there parts of your life that you feel like you're not measuring up in? Are there parts of your life that you feel like you're not enough? That you feel like you're unworthy? For some, it may be motherhood where you are putting so much effort into it, but it just doesn't seem to be enough. And you seem to keep hitting this wall that you don't have the answers for. And you question whether or not you have what it takes to raise reasonable, decent human beings. Or maybe it's with work. You feel like you don't measure up to what the, the position that you're in calls for. Like you, you don't have the skills, you don't have the knowledge and you're not enough. Or maybe it's in a relationship where you're in a relationship where you feel like you're unworthy or you're not enough. You're not not attractive enough. You're not smart enough. You're not caring enough. You don't have what it takes. And you don't measure up. If we have all of these different parts of our life that we're already feeling unworthy in, then how in the world are we to live our lives in such a way that's worthy of Jesus? If we're having a hard t- enough time being worthy of our job, that's that f- requires far less than than the the life that Jesus models. And Paul this Paul knows full well that you and I cannot act our way to perfection. The problem is, whenever we become more aware of others' words than God's word. For some of you, you were told, maybe recently, maybe in your childhood, that you're not enough. You know, the the cliche phrase of, you'll never amount to a hill of beans, I thought was just cliche until I started talking with people. And I realized that, for that's far more common than I thought. That I, I could, I, I struggled to imagine a parent actually saying that to a child, but it happens. Where you're not an, like you will never be enough. You'll never amount to anything. You won't succeed. Or maybe in your home there was your your parents separated. And you felt like it's because you weren't enough to keep mom or dad home. Or maybe in your marriage there was separation and you feel like you weren't enough for the other person to stay. And so we have all of these words coming at us, oftentimes in our own head, of that self critic that's just hammering you on you're not enough and you'll never be enough. So how in the world are we to live in a way that's worthy of the only one who's walked this life perfectly? Paul, in the beginning of this letter, begins with thanksgiving before he gets into prayer. And in verse three, he starts with this. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, not if we pray for you, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all of the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world and it's bearing fruit and increasing. It's, it's bearing fruit all over the world, but not only all over the world, but it also does among you and since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth this word of truth prayer connect in, in the midst of so many other words whether they're from the outside telling you you're not enough or you're not worthy or they're on the inside that inner critic saying you're not enough and you're not worthy in the midst of all of these other words Paul directs them to God's word, the gospel of the truth. The good news, the gospel is this, is that, let's face the fact, you're not worthy. You and I, independent of Jesus, are not worthy. We will continue history, the entire scope of history proves that we, independent of God, continue to mess things up. Amen. You and I are not worthy. You and I are messed up. You and I have made major mistakes. But the word of the truth, this gospel, is this, is that in your greatest moment of mess up, in your biggest mess, in the time where you were the most unworthy of receiving love, Christ still loved you while you were still neck deep in sin, Christ loved you and gave his life for you. That is the good news. That is this word of truth that sure, on your own, you're unworthy, but because of what Jesus has done, he has welcomed you into this family and you are adopted as a son and daughter of God that he's given you a new name and a new identity. And he calls you son and daughter. And what grace does is grace makes the unworthy. It's a gift that makes the unworthy worthy. Grace is a gift that makes the unworthy worthy. So independent of Jesus in our lives, we will never measure up. But because of what Christ has done, we receive this gift of grace that now enables us and empowers us to live in a way that we could never do on our own. To walk in the love and the power of God. To walk as sons and daughters of the Most High. And fully pleasing to him. And and going back to the prayer that he prays in uh, verses nine through 11, we'll read this. Said, and so from the day we heard, we haven't ceased to pray for you, asking that you be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. To walk in a way that is fully pleasing to God. God is in a good mood, and he is a father that is not hard to please. The challenge, so challenge to fathers is, are you? Are you a hard to please father? I'm thankful that, that God empowers us to live in a way that is pleasing to him. Fully pleasing. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. It's our relationship with Jesus that that bears fruit. At John fifteen fifteen. I'm the vine, you're the branches, whoever abides in me bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. This bearing fruit, this walking in a manner worthy, comes through our connection with God's Word. parable of the sower. It's God's word getting into our heart that brings about that effortless change and brings out fruit. It's not getting all the more bells and whistles added onto your life. It's realizing that everything you need is found in Jesus and comes from Jesus. And it's simply abiding in him. And so what prayer does is prayer connects us to God's word. And when we're connected to God's word, we bear fruit in every good work. How many of you want to bear fruit in every good work? Okay. So we bear fruit in every good work through prayer, through connecting to God's word. And prayer activates, prayer activates this not only in you, but it can active, your prayer can activate this in others as well. Yes. So don't give up on your prayers. The prayers that you pray for friends, the prayers that you pray for family, for children, for grandchildren, don't give up on your prayers. Though you may not see the fruit yet, continue to pray. The third thing that, that prayer does is prayer connects us to God's work. Because by emphasizing prayer, we shift our focus from us to God, who is at work. And through prayer, we participate in, what's God, in what God is doing but it's God who's primarily doing the work, and that's what Paul shows us in verses 12 through 14 that we're gonna look at. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints and light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's God who's at work. It's God who is... Uh, who is delivering you, who is qualifying you, who's transferring you. It's God who's doing this and we get to participate in that work. It's not, it's not all on you or me. It's not in our efforts. The power is not in the one who is praying, but the power is found in the God to whom we are praying. The, the power of prayer, for, for people who, who uh, are, are powerful in their prayers, it's not that uh, they are the most articulate or the, always the most charismatic people. It's that they have a deep understanding of God's power and God's ability and a resolute trust that he is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. It's not on your ability. It's not in my ability. But it's God who's doing this work. And we get the honor to participate with Him in what He's doing. God is making everything right. He's taking the world and He's setting it back right. He's bringing reconciliation. This is what God is doing. You and I, independent of God, we may try hard, but we will fall short of this work. Through prayer, we get to connect to what God is doing. And this is one of the things that I learned whenever I was in quarantine, whenever that was, it's all a blur. um, Maybe a month ago, I really don't know. But I was in quarantine because I caught the COVID. And so as I was in quarantine, You know, it was just kind of shortly after I'd been set in here and I felt super disconnected from what was going on because of just physical isolation. And so I really wanted to be here among you and praying with you and hearing what God's doing in your life, Um, but I was in quarantine and I committed that I am not going to go through this without learning something or growing in something. And one of the things that I, I learned through that process was was this point right here, that, that prayer connects us to God's work. I knew that in the coming month that we were gonna be doing a series on Colossians, and so I started reading it and meditating on it. And when I read this prayer from Paul, it really, really struck a chord with me, resonated with me, because I realized this is, this is Paul praying to a group of people that he hasn't met and that he's currently in prison. I mean, he's, he's in the original quarantine. So he's in prison, totally separated from what God's doing. However, he's still able to partner and connect with what God's doing through prayer. And so I, I can't explain it, but there was some sense of a connection still with what God is doing, even though I'm, I'm physically not, not uh, connected or present, But just through prayer, and as I'm praying this, seeing people's faces, that there was still a a way that I was able to connect with what God's doing. Right now we live in, in this year through all of the the quarantine and the isolation that's taken place, uh, mental health has taken a, I mean, just people have taken a, uh, a major hit in terms of their mental health if they were already struggling with things and then they uh, were forced to work from home and be with themselves all the time, it really did a number on people. And even in this area, talking to people who, who counsel, it's the wait, like waiting lists are really long right now to, to get in touch with a, a therapist because the demand is so great. I think there's an opportunity for the church here to teach people that even though you may be in physical isolation, you can still be connected to what God is doing. Yes. Yeah. And prayer connects us to that work. And, and in this, I don't know if you caught it, but last week we talked about the, the warnings that Paul issued. And he said, let no one disqualify you let no one enslave you, let no one judge you. And now in this prayer, he's he's setting the stage for that in how he's praying for them. And he's saying, the Father has qualified you. The Father has qualified you, so let no one disqualify you. The Father has delivered you, so let no one enslave you. And the Father has redeemed you, so let no one judge you. The Christian life begins with and is sustained by prayer. And Paul, he models this. He prays for them. He tells them how he prays for them. And then at the end of the letter, he asks them now to pray for him. And that's what we're going to look at in verse, or chapter four. He encourages them to continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, Pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. So a a practical thing we can do out of this week is I would encourage you to do this. If you're not already praying for someone, begin praying for someone. Pray for someone. And reach out to them at some point this week, whether it's a phone call or a text or a message, whatever, and say, hey, I've been praying for you and here's what I've been praying. And let's just follow Paul's example here on modeling prayer. So there's a practical step you can take. Prayer is central and vital for us to walk out what it means for Jesus to be supreme over everything and for him to be sufficient. Everything we need comes from and is found in him. Everything you and I do should come from this place of our relationship with Jesus and that relationship, like all relationships, is nurtured through communication, through prayer. So what we're going to do in closing it, you can go ahead and bow your head and I'm just going to pray this prayer that we've looked at today over us. For this reason, from the day we heard it, we haven't stopped praying for you. We're asking God to fill you with the knowledge of what he wants in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. This will mean that you'll be able to conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord, and so give him real delight as you bear fruit in every good work and grow up in the knowledge of God. I pray that you'll be given all possible strength according to the power of his glory so that you have complete patience and become steadfast and joyful. And I pray that you'll learn to give thanks to the Father who has made you fit to share in the inheritance of God's holy ones and light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, he is the one in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Amen. 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 If you would, stand with me. I'll bless you and we'll be dismissed. Ministry teams can go ahead and come up to the front. If you have a need for anything, please don't leave without letting these ministry teams pray for you. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's an, uh, like an ailment in your body. Or maybe it's kind of like what we talked about earlier with the, the state of mental health through 2020. Maybe it's something that you've been ex- experiencing. Um, I, I think that, that counsel is good. I think that therapy is good. But I also know that God can do in a moment what could take years of counseling to do. So if, if that's something you're, you're dealing with, please, I encourage you to come receive prayer. If you're new with us today, just a reminder, you can grab that Connect card and take it to the information booth on your way out, so that we can get connected. Well, let me bless you, and we'll be dismissed. May the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. You're blessed, you're loved, you're dismissed.